Jim Joyce. <laughs> it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't even know. I know we did it. Well, I, I see you're you've upgraded from the garage. <laughs> this is the update. You know, um, I, I don't know if it's an upgrade or downgrade or side grade. Um, just depends on kind of the mood and the hotness levels and all of that good stuff. Thank you. I, I got my uh, drinks delivered. Look at nice. that, you know, straight in. <laughs> Muchas gracias. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, just uh, back to the office upstairs and kind of crappy weather today here. So I figured, you know, get a little okay, yeah. light. Big news here is kids are back in school. Like That's I said, right. My youngest guy started school this week. So we've got the grind. Yeah, you know, we got the grind of school happening right now. You have no one. People are in Italy or we're, we're at school. No. So my, my, my older one starts in October. And we realized why, actually, uh, because yeah. it's fashion weeks, right? So she goes to fashion school. So it's like fashion week. London, Paris, New York is, I think, next week. And then that's why it's sort of delayed and fashion school starts later. Yeah. Um, and then my younger one is starting remotely for now. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get when we get there to Barcelona. Yeah. But um, in, uh, you know, I know, uh, so we the haven't news. seen the new, like we haven't seen these like a hundred plus million rounds this week. Uh, I did see a couple of things that our friends, you know, Jess and, uh, and Bolty Boy, Matthew Holt reported on, but just to, right. I thought it was kind of interesting because it has to do quite a lot. Um, the day two, folks out of Israel. I think originally started a company okay. in Israel. I don't know where they're based now, but it's the microbiome based precision nutrition. So they raised 37 mil wow. um, to expand. And on that note, Marina and I are actually testing the Zoe service. So it's uh, okay. you know microbiome, gut health testing. And so yeah. unfortunately I realized that like ribs that I love are like really, really crappy for my gut. So you can actually put in you know, the food and it'll give you like a score for particular food for your own sample of microbiome report. So pretty cool. So you sampled um, your, you sampled your own mic microbiome. Yes. I won't go into the details how that was sampled, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think people can use the, your, their imagination. <laughs> you send that to a lab, they analyze it. And they tell you, yeah, and then you get back a whole report and then um, on ongoing basis, you can kind of type in. And so, you know, George, uh, I will butcher his last name, the CEO of the company or, or the founder, right. uh, you know, so it's very science backed. Our friend Vishal, I think Gulati is actually an investor in Zoe. Um, okay. And I don't know okay. if with the founder personally, but um, I uh, on another note, and I think this dovetails into our guest a little bit, I saw uh, Ellipsis Health, which I know they've been building for quite a while. So voice biomarkers yeah. for mental health, right? Yeah. And imagine just us talking. I'm sure there will be some things that will be picked up, at least in my, <laughs> from my head. Um, so that was, I think, 25 or 27 mil or somewhere in between. Uh, yeah. But, you know, pretty cool stuff. I think uh, a lot of possibilities, especially given what the world has been going through. So on that note, uh, let's invite and dig in with my my good friend Dale Bierman. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this. And hey, <laughs> Dale, you even did your hair for us today. I think. You no, know, I have worn a hat just about every day for the last month. So figured <laughs> I'd. <had to> <laughs> it's pretty exciting. <laughs> have you have you guys met by the way or no? We have not. Uh, I certainly have seen Jim's face virtually uh, through, you know, your guys' podcast episodes. But Jim, great to meet you. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, delighted to meet you. And I think you're, you're is it Steve? Steve Sunjins? Who, who is it? Are you, we have a mutual buddy there. Yep. 
Yeah, so Steve was uh, an original investor in Pacifica. Uh, since has just become a really good friend, great mentor, um, just a good guy to to chat with. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's Steve knows how to find them young and um, and like you know early on. So yeah, yeah, we won't go there. But the uh, <laughs> we won't go there. The the, the, the uh, <laughs> totally didn't go there <laughs> startup young startup man yeah right exactly so yeah so great 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 to meet you looking forward to hearing this chat and i was just listening to a few of your interviews like i was trying to get myself we, we try not to do any purposely try not to do any preparation yeah <laughs> for the for the podcast by design by design but uh looking forward to this yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I like the the style of what you guys do. It's a little more casual conversation. I think you just kind of get some some fun results out of it. You know, there's not as much self promotion as you might see across the industry. So, yeah, happy to. We do want to get to know you though, right? Or at least our millions of viewers and listeners, right? <clears throat> so maybe maybe take us kind of give us who who is really Dale, and then I think Jim and I, I mean, both kind of serial entrepreneurs, but I think also every one of us have different experiences and we want to really dive into yours, right? I mean, four yeah. or five years of building a company. So, but yeah. please. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I have a technical background, um, studied computer science in, in undergrad and grad school. I kind of found myself in a, a medical imaging startup uh, right out of school. Pre-IPO, they actually IPO'd very shortly after I had joined. I wish I could say that that was, you know, life-changing for me, but I think my... And shares turned into something like a thousand bucks. But an awesome, awesome experience. Uh, I got to work on a lot of uh, 3D visualization work for, uh, for radiology. Um, after that, I ended up doing some scientific visualization work, uh, very cool stuff with atom probes. And I wish I could say I even understood half the science behind it, but uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun. And um, I had a chance to start a, a company back in about 2006 uh, with the former founder and CTO of the first company I worked for. At the time it was called Serendipity. We were focusing on uh, building a platform for user-generated games, multimedia applications. Um, if you're familiar with Roblox today, I'd like to say it was the pre-Roblox. We uh, didn't quite right. know this. It was almost almost Roblox. I love yeah, that. Exactly. I had a few of those in my career. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, another great experience, but you know, kind of before I really knew a lot about what say customer development meant, really listening to your users, understanding what the, the business model was you were building. Um, we were four guys building for the sake of building, literally. We went through a dozen different prototypes before we ever landed on something that we we're gonna found a, a company on. Um, tons of fun, really a, a, an awesome process to go through that ideation phase and really understand, you know, identify the problem, understand how you might build something to address it and then what's the model behind it. And uh, um, I think that's kind of led into a lot of my sort of future endeavors. Uh, that went under kind of late 2000s with a whole lot of other things. Obviously we didn't find that business model. And it, it, it went into that graveyard, right? Yes, exactly. Um, but nonetheless, you know, I, I mean, as most entrepreneurs who have been through a failed endeavor will tell you, uh, just very transformational. I learned a, a hell of a lot. Um, right. Along the way, I'd also started another side project with my brother doing uh, another pre-Roblox. We were build, basically building Map My Run for, for kind of um, outdoor activities. You could go hiking, biking, kind of mapped and journal what you were doing at the time. 
we both got sidetracked and moved on to other things. Um, I was working in an educational technology startup that moved me out to San Francisco from Wisconsin and have stuck here, met my wife about three months after I, I landed here. So well kind of <laughs> locked myself in. Yes. <laughs> um, no complaints, obviously. Uh, and um, founded Pacifica about seven years ago, um, really as a way to address that you know, product-oriented design and usability in the mental health space that we just hadn't seen. And I'm happy to talk through that whole experience, but there's, there's the background, I'll leave it at that for now. That's you awesome. know, what, 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 what I'm finding in, interesting and fascinating, and I mean, I knew parts of your story, right, but probably not to the details, like we're seeing more and more founders coming from, you know, telecom, gaming, you know, yeah. um, consumer experience companies into healthcare. I mean, you know, our friends at Happify, right? You know, those guys until Happify knew nothing about healthcare, right? Um, and so it's it's fascinating because I think we're all realizing that today's healthcare is busted, right? And it just does not take us in the center of it. And I know these are buzzwords, but that's why I think we're seeing people like yourself kind of coming into the space um, much needed. Yeah, you know, I think obviously you get to bring a bit different perspective. I, I'd like to also think you're not jaded by having watched the industry churn a little bit and not, right. you know, having been capable of producing the types of solutions that we would like. Um, and to be honest, I think a lot of us just kind of happen into it because we identify a problem that's close to us and, and you right. latch onto it and you want to build that. And I mean, I, I certainly didn't know the mental health industry. I didn't know the digital health industry seven years ago. And you, you have to learn that obviously to build a successful company, but um, uh, there's a great, a great quote from, uh, I believe the founder of Wobot. She talked about how she just fell in love with the problem as entrepreneurs. That's almost impossible not to, right. You know, right, you, right. you, you start getting down the path of building something you just, inherently have to become passionate about it. If you don't, you're never going to go through what we go through right. in order to actually make that successful. Yeah. Like one of our founders, who was that, that said that was talking about, you know, she had a different spin on it, but you say fell in love with the problem. I love that. Um, but, but she had, who was that had the, um, the idea that like the persistence it's like, you know, it's like this classic, like mission driven idea, this concept, but like, you know, what's going to, what's going to drive you through when things are hitting you. And if it's like, yeah. If it's about the yeah. money, you know, then when the money doesn't look too likely, <laughs> you're yeah. going to like run for the hills, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it makes me, I, I kind of binge on like the flash in my, just so I don't have to think about anything. It's, you know, when I'm right. like in my zone and I'm like, think about flash, like going through the walls. Right. right. Um, and, and, you know, this is the little geek, Marvel geek in me. Right. But I, if you think about like entrepreneurs, it's like a, a, a wall, a block is not an answer. It's like, how do you plow through it? And you have to obsess about that problem yeah. and that population. Right. Otherwise, what you know, it's easy to say no and stop. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you also find yourself kind of pinched. Right. You you run into these walls and there is no other path, right? We actually, you know, in Pacific, we have a whole set of quotes and the, the really famous one that, that kind of shines above them all is there's no other path than through. Right. And that means a lot for a lot of different things, right? There's a mental health connotation there, but right. the truth of the matter is if you don't have that perseverance at a startup, you're never going to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that we actually operated best 
when our back was against the wall and we were forced to figure it out because, you know, in the end, you, you know, you can sit, sit around and ideate about things day in and day out, but until you're forced to figure it out, it's not going to happen as easily. Right. What do you think when you like, I was just to talk about like the, it's really interesting to some to be so, um, you know, open, say about a failure, like, you know, you, like it's probably, it's not a very San Fran thing to do. Maybe it's a little more of Wisconsin, but the, is, uh, is, is the, this idea that like, does that, do you look back? I mean, one of the things I've learned from my failures is I didn't want to do it again. <laughs> I didn't want sure. to fail again. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we, I think I wouldn't have learned a lot of the things I, I did. Obviously I can say that in hindsight and try to make it much more glorious than it was. I mean, <laughs> I'll be totally honest. Like I hit a out of depression and alcoholism when that company went under that I don't think people really understand or acknowledge and it's easy once you're on the other side of it to sort of talk through that but you know with with the stigmas involved around that I think a lot of people do shy away from it and in the right. end you know we, we probably end up talking about perseverance a lot here right you, you have to find a way to bounce back and figure out how to continue doing that but when you found that pop problem that you've fallen in love with and it, you can't figure out how to work out, how to make that work out. You know, that's a, that's a really challenging thing yep. to, to deal with emotionally. And right. I think it took me, and this would be on the shorter side of what a lot of people go through. It probably took me a good six to nine months to work through that and figure out how to start applying myself to something again. Right. Interesting. You know, it's like a relationship. It, it's a, it, yeah how do you let go of the relationship and she hang on there's still a chance you know you know it was my fault not yours you know <laughs> yeah and we definitely did a lot of that like well you know kind of as things are, are winding down towards the end you can see that that black abyss inside we tried everything <laughs> you know once, once you do that there's no way to to you just can't bounce back immediately either you need that time away from it Oh, you know, people do say time heals, right? But I don't think it's just automatic, right? You got to work on it, right? Um, and I mean, you know, you know, Jim and I started when he like pulled me out, <laughs> like, let's do this. Let's get, you know, let's get some energy, um, et cetera. And so your personal experience, and first of all, thank you for openly talking about it. I don't think sure. enough people do. Um, was that the trigger for Pacifica at the time? No. Like, um... or... That'd be a, I guess, nice, nice romantic way to, to <laughs> talk about starting a company. But um, I, I think, you know, our experiences when over time, my experiences sort of led me to that mindset. But um, no, my my personal drive for Pacifica was rooted more on the insomnia side of things. When I was in grad school, I developed some really terrible sleep hygiene. I'd stay up till four o'clock in the morning. I was trying to avoid my roommate at the time. You know, I'd wake up at noon go to class, study, do it all over again. Um, just got myself into a really terrible cycle. Um, and to be honest, I've, I've kind of been battling that ever since. Um, but my second year there, I changed roommates. I started working out. I was playing basketball more regularly. I started going to sleep at a much better time. I just started focusing a little bit more on myself. And part of that whole process was actually teaching myself how to go back to sleep. So learning body scan techniques, breathing meditation, um, just the types of things that could help me calm down at night. You know, in grad school, as a type of person, I'd have a journal on my bedside table because I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking about whatever the problem was that I was trying to solve. Wow. 
And figuring out how to remove yourself from that scenario and let yourself kind of calm down was a really big part of my personal recovery and something that I still apply today. Um, Beyond that, I have a cousin that died by suicide, and I've always thought that if we can get better tools into that, he, he was a teenager. If we can get better tools into the hands of people earlier in life, we have a much better opportunity to really head these scenarios off. So that was kind of my foundation for it. My co-founder struggled with a lot of social anxiety. Chris had been through cognitive behavioral therapy programs really believed that there was an interesting opportunity to take some of the structure of CBT and map that onto a mobile application, removing the, the kind of judgmental clinical feel that a lot of apps had at the time and bring a bit more of that consumer personality to it. Um, but very importantly, you know, not force the user down a path, really give them a, a tool that they can leverage on their own at their own pace and make sure that they're, they're approaching that and allow them to understand it without someone saying, all right, well, you're suffering from generalized anxiety to sort of go see a therapist. It's your only option. Right, right, right. And, and when, when you think about the, I, I find it so, because there's so many, when I think about all the mental health applications that are coming out and the space is going through this, you know, I guess, phenomenal transformation, the mm-hmm. Pacific, you know, it is, you know, it's such a tricky group to develop a consumer proposition for, I think, because I haven't tried to, but I'm, I'm just looking at that <laughs> yeah. going. I like, I like the idea of, you know, I like the idea of someone without, not to sound, without mental health issues, <laughs> not that I, no, we all have them. Well, so, I was going to say, one would argue everybody has them, but there's <laughs> just different levels. Maybe, maybe less disclosed, <laughs> but, you know, meaning like, yeah. I need you to do this, you know, <laughs> I need you to do this I'm in my app, please, you know. Yeah. What did you, consumerization for people that are really struggling is so tricky. Yeah, I'm, you know, I think part of the problem, so I guess people come at this from all different directions, right? Some people have never been exposed to mental health issues or, or kind of the labeling that's around them. Some people have been through years and years of CBT or other therapy programs and just never found something that works. So um, what Chris was our designer, you know, I think he did a really phenomenal job of blending an evidence-based sort of foundation in CBT, making sure that these were legitimate tools that people, if you were exposed to CBT in the past, you would pick this up and go, oh, okay, I understand exactly what this is, but present it in a way that is much more approachable. So typically what would happen is you'd go to therapists and if they were to give you some kind of quote unquote homework between sessions, you'd leave with a little workbook and you'd have some stuff that you should do between sessions. In practice, nobody ever does that because it's treated a little bit more like that one-on-one session. Like let's sit, you know, make time, sit down, spend a whole bunch of time thinking about our thoughts. First of all, not exactly the way that a lot of people (laughs) want to spend their free time, especially if, you know, you're already sort of struggling to find time for other things. So we wanted to make sure that we were building activities that could be done in a couple of minutes that really brought a lot of that foundation, but could really fit into the pattern for your daily life, whether you're, you know, taking a break and going for a walk, you could listen to a meditation or, um, you know, whatever it may be, kind of your drive to work, something like that. And I think that's a, a bit different perspective than treating CBT as the therapy session. And I think a lot of people came at it from the, you know, 
well, a couple different perspectives. One is like, I need all the data I can possibly get from you. So here is this, you know, you call it the airplane cockpit syndrome, right? Here are all these bells and knobs and you can twist and turn everything. And ultimately none of that provides a lot of value to the end user. It provides a lot of value to the therapist or the practitioner because they can use that to try to tailor their care. Um, so I think by flipping that script a bit and focusing on the value we can provide to that end user, it was a different approach for them. They realized that they could get something out of this. Yes, we got to put in a little bit of time, but trying to make it more approachable and give them opportunities to do it as it fits into their daily life is, is a, just not a perspective I think that we had seen prior to that. Yeah, 100%. I want to go back to, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit of the early days, right? Uh, so you you guys were building, you and Chris were building this for four, four and a half years until the acquisition by United, right? But, you know, before uh, kind of we get in there, um, kind of the early days, right? Because, I mean, we as entrepreneurs, we're always finding this, you know, back to your comment earlier, like, you know, the feedback from the consumers. And when I I don't say got involved or, or tried Pacifica. And I know we were trying to do something with you guys at, at, when I had my old hat at Bayer. I mean, you already reached 2 million users. You hacked away, right? Like wow. very organically. Um, I found, I remember, I just, I was like, wow, I'd love it. I want to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. um, just to your point, beautiful design. But that was already two or three years into the journey. Yeah. Can you rewind back? And uh, obviously we don't have three hours here, right? Even though it's in our control. Um, but, but some of those steps that you took, right? Because lots of entrepreneurs watch this as well. And I think that would yeah, be helpful. Totally. Yeah. So one of the big lessons learned I, I took from some of my other companies is let's make sure that we're launching with a model and business model in place day one. That may not be the right model. We might be able to pivot away from it, but um, that was really important early on in Pacifica's days. So we launched with a subscription model. Uh, obviously, that's extremely widespread right now, but it was actually a bit of a challenge at the time. Um, we actually could not get through Apple's review process because we didn't fit what they were trying to do with the subscription uh, uh, in-app purchases at the time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's totally changed now. Um, yeah. But what that did was it gave us a proof point, you know, the Building for someone to pull out their wall and say, I'm going to pay anything for this is a huge, important driver in figuring out whether or not you've achieved any kind of product market fit. And so that was, a, a, I think, a big conscious decision that we focused on on day one. But beyond that, we never did paid acquisition. We knew that the unit economics there weren't going to work out. They still wouldn't, you know for some of the higher tiered offerings out there, like once you get into kind of like one-to-many coaching and obviously one-on-one -on -one therapy, you know, once you get the higher LTV products, you can, you can figure out how that unit economics are going to work. But if I'm trying to get someone to download an app for maybe I'll, I'll spend two to three bucks uh, and their average revenue per user is, you know, 12 cents something like that, you're going to really struggle. And so we had to find other ways to promote the product and make sure that um, we were really building for a community. And so Chris would, would, I mean, on the very early days, would go to coffee shops, just see if he could ask people to use the product and watch them. Awesome. Use it. Um, Amazing. And he grew a little bit, he'd find online communities. So subreddits, Facebook groups, you know, places where people are, were already congregating and 
we'd give away, you know, the service for free at the time and just say, we really want to focus on whether or not you guys like this and whether or not this is going to work for you. And that focus on product early on was really what set us on a path to continue growing things organically. Um, you know, until the acquisition, I think we had maybe spent 50 or a hundred bucks on, on paid acquisition of users. Um, and ultimately it was around word of mouth. We early on were lucky that we got featured by Apple, but then we also were, we've developed. Well, Apple was like, they helped us develop the subscription model of our business. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's feature them. Uh, to be fair, like they, so they featured us and then we developed a bit more of a long-term relationship with them and we're able to work with them when they released new products, like say the mindful mindfulness section of health kit, we were able to integrate with that. And then those types of things really allowed us to align ourselves with what some of the bigger entities were doing that could continue to propel us forward. So, you know, to summarize from day one, all product focused, it really wasn't uh, a consumer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't any kind of insane growth strategy. It was, let's just make the best thing that we possibly can. And <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love coffee. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, anecdote there, you know, Chris and I really bonded when, when we were at Study Blue as the ed tech company. This was based in Madison, Wisconsin. Chris used to go to the student union. This was before like customer development was a thing, right? And he'd go to Starbucks, he'd pick up a stack of gift cards and he'd go to the student union and sit down and we'd just hand them to students and say, hey, can I watch you use our, our product? Right. And like, months would go by before we had any idea that he was doing any of this. And we just developed a, a really good relationship around how you can listen to that end user and focus on building a product for them as opposed yes. to what you think that person needs. And I, I think that, that's a really important point because as entrepreneurs, we all we all think we're serving or we're solving some problem. Right. And chances are you're right, but you know, what's the other problem that the industry is really looking for and, and willing to pay for? And I think that's right. the but, that's but the this is the guy, but Chris, you, I think you know, if I remember from earlier, you said he had social anxiety, he's struggled with social anxiety issues, yeah. but he's in a coffee shop handing out gift cards. I mean, yeah, what? you know. One on one, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think some of that is putting himself in a position that you know, it's like this is exposure therapy, right? And <laughs> putting himself in a, a position where you have no other choice than to do that. But yeah. I, you know, he's the type of person where he knows that if he has to has to solve a particular problem, he's going to figure out how to do it. And okay. you know, at the same time, he had been through a lot of these programs. He'd learned his coping mechanisms that would allow him to approach that situation really effectively. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was seeing, like I was dropping my son off and I don't want to call him out or anything else, but you know, modern day children spend a lot of time on technology. My son isn't any different. Um, and, and I was dying to get him in a job where he had to interact with people like all the time. So you get a job in retail, you know, mm -hmm. working, you know, working mm -hmm. yeah, outside Cape Cod. And I just loved it. Now, I don't know if it had it, you know, I'm not sure. He, he said he was, you know, but I just love the idea that he had to kind of constantly talk to new customers walking in all day, you know. Yeah. I, my yeah. first job was at a little deli in college town in Cornell, upstate New York. And yeah, same thing. I had to sit there and run the cash register all the time. Right, right. <laughs>
Like I love what he said, my, my son said to me, he's like, he goes, oh yeah, there's a different kind of customers. He's like, the customers that come in in July are kind of chill out and kind of hippie. This is Martha's Vineyard. And then sure. the customers that come in in August are, you know, they're more like, you know, they got a lot of money and they're kind of the August, you know, in there, they don't have a lot of time for 19 year olds on cash registers. <laughs> you know, they're, kind of, they're, they're in a rush. Listen, but, it, but it's also good, like human pattern recognition, right? Um, <laughs> because you probably don't get the sense of that online on Snapchat with your own age group only, right? Yeah. So, totally. which is, yeah. which is great. So let, let, let's keep moving, right? Um, obviously you went out there with this consumer model and I know you were entertaining some things like, again, with our, you know, at the time, the Bayer consumer business, I'm sure there were other things. What were your, some of your decision-making processes around and even entertaining some of those channels, right? Because that's one of the toughest things for, I hope you guys can hear me. I think there's a little bit of a delay yeah. that you can hear me. Um, you know, there's always tough, right? As a young company, you're always looking at there's opportunities that come to your door and do you entertain some of these new channels, opportunities? So we'd love to hear kind of your your thoughts and experiences on it. Yeah, I guess early on, I, I became pretty opinionated about not creating just another siloed solution. And so we knew that we had to figure out how to integrate with the broader healthcare industry. Um, our first stab at that was, you know, a lot of therapists were coming to us and say, this is great. My parent or my patients are actually using it. How can I interact with them? You know, how can I right. assign them homework? How can I look at the data that that's being generated? Because we had, we had a lot of inf interesting information from mood data, health data, um, how often you were actually doing these exercises. That stuff just didn't exist for a lot of the therapists that were on the platform. So we ended up believing that we could build a SaaS model for a therapist. Uh, it's funny in this conversation, I just, I think Alma raised another 50 million to do something very similar to this on the uh, practice management side of things and claims manage management side of things. Um, turns out, had we actually focused on claims management, I think there would have been a path forward there, but we were a little bit more focused on patient interaction and how you can actually facilitate that therapeutic alliance between the therapist and the individual, um, but also just provide some additional data so that the therapist can hopefully guide what they're doing with that in individual. Um, that absolutely did not work. We couldn't sell a product to therapists. Uh, even though we heard from them count, you know, countless times that this was something they wanted right. to use, they weren't really willing to, to pull out their wallet and pay for it. And, um, you know, there are a lot of reasons behind that. I think we... Things are a little different now with some of the CPT codes, especially on the remote patient monitoring side. I think maybe yeah. we could have built something yeah. that would have facilitated that a little bit more effectively and paid for the platform itself. But, you know, six years ago, it was pretty early for some of that. And so um, we, we continue to try to monetize that. Didn't work as well as we had hoped. And in the, you know, I guess, never ending bid to find higher you know, contract value, we, we ended up deciding that, so, so we consciously said, we're not going after employers. This place, this space is way too crowded. We had only raised 1.3, 1.5 million for our seed. Like we just don't have the time. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources to be able to go after someone when, you know, there are 50 different digital health yep. companies trying to do the exact same thing. 
So we decided that education was where we we're going to focus. So we started working with universities to provide the mobile product, to the entire student population, and then the clinician dashboard to their counseling center. And so now the, the thinking, and this ended up working really well, actually, the thinking was that let's give the student population the mobile app, let them start using it, start to understand a lot of these tools. And then if they're going to the counseling center, now when they connect to a counselor that resides on the platform, they can start to understand a little bit more about what's going on and take advantage of what might be a limited impressions with that individual. Uh, so that, that was kind of the, the earliest success that we had on the B2B side of things. And then, you know, this is going to sound like I'm fast forward, but it took four and a half years to get there. And that was right around the time of the acquisition by uh, United. And happy to sort of, you know, expound on that. But I think the, the point there in being that we knew we had to figure out how to, to grow from that consumer only platform into something that was a little bit more like a SaaS platform that could offer these higher LTV products. Again, going back to the fact that the LTV or the, the unit economics right. just would never work for a DTT model. And so how we created that vertical solution really became the focus through, you know, the so last kind of three, four years. When you years, think like, uh, when, like say, you know, I mean, you know, talk about this is I'm trying to make this a safe zone. So talk about what you want to talk about here. But when you think about it, like when, you know, a big company is looking at you for an acquisition, like I, I did just imagine they would be more obsessed about the unit economics, the SaaS model, yeah. is that true? Or are they um, visionaries in terms of the consumer, you know? You know, it probably depends who you're talking to within that larger organization. So the, the group that we were connected with was UHG Ventures. They were a bit more of a true venture group. They weren't a traditional corporate VC. They, okay. they built and grew companies. And so we were at a really we were at an inflection point, you know, we were running out of money. We we're starting to see some of these contracts come in, but we didn't really know what the future was going to look like. Right. Um, so we were going to go out and raise the series a, I'd kind of really started to formulate a lot of our thinking around what that next model would gonna, was going to be. And our goal is, you know, effectively to scale therapy, to try to find a way that we could go from the sort of 35 or so typical patients that a therapist might be seeing to 150, 400, 500, you know, not that I'm expecting a therapist to do that, but how do, how do we create a platform that would enable someone that's trained on that platform to interact with, interact with them in, in scalable ways. And so our clinician dashboard, we started to sort of re-envision as what it's calling patient relationship management, you know, coming from a sort of sales perspective, if we think about a CRM as, prioritizing the potential clients that a salesperson should be reaching out to, we really wanted to do the same thing on the therapy side. How do we create this platform, technology-enabled solution that is going to scale? It won't be therapy, but something like therapy. And um, yeah. what's interesting is that ended up leading to coaching, which is very close to where, where Eugene is working right now. And I'll talk a little bit more about that too. But so we had we had built our series a deck we were ready to go out and like really focus on a, a formal fundraising process and uhg ventures found us uh you know i'll never forget the call like you know here i am thinking this exactly what you just heard so this enormous company's coming to me what the hell can they possibly want like and so basically the way they had they had worked is they spent like 
I think two to three years developing a thesis around how they would address the problems in behavioral health. And after they said that, I said, you know, I, I think I should probably show you our series eight deck. And to be totally honest, you know, I'm not saying this for the benefit of anyone, right? We right. Our, our goals were perfectly aligned. And right. so we had the technology platform, we could advance their, you know, their timeline by two years, probably to what for right. to that end goal of what it would take to build out. And so um, we were able to successfully do exactly that. We built coaching on top of the platform, we built therapy on top of the platform. And um, that really fulfilled some of the earliest goals we had of this vertically integrated solution that prevented individuals from bouncing between your digital self-care platform to the coaching platform to the therapy platform. And obviously, you know, any EMR is not going to integrate with those as effectively as we'd ever want. And so we were able to do a lot of that seamlessly. And, and the benefit then is you can attract people through that DTC product identify them as being covered through the insurance. So every, everyone who's covered under United effectively is covered for, they can go download San Velo today and, and get free access. This was the uh, first time you said the word San Velo. Yeah. So <laughs> versus Velo Pacifica. The, yeah. Velo is the rebranded name for Pacifica. Um, okay. I won't go into the details too much about that, but I'll, I'll just say that yeah. for uh, legal reasons, we couldn't protect Pacifica as much as we would have liked. And so. That was okay. the, the name that we landed on. Um, but yeah, so, so now on the same platform, we can leverage your existing insurance and guide you to the services that are most appropriate for you, all covered. And, and that was a, a really big thing that, I mean, we just don't see today, right? How many times do you download a new app or, or go see a new service and automatically know that you're capable of using, you know, leveraging that to its full potential? And so, um, you know, I think that's really... <laughs> superpowers that we built so at the time you built what headspace plus ginger just agreed to do together now yeah <laughs> for lack I, of a better term i you know i don't know how else to describe it yeah i, I you know i don't know many details about what that entity that. is going to become i don't know that many people do but um eventually they'll have to figure out what seamless integration looks like and i think that's going to be a big challenge for any established platform and, and both of them are pretty established so right. they'll they'll get there but it'll probably take some time and and in the end um you know that user experience is so important that the more roadblocks you put up in front of them the better chances there are for them to drop off and so that's you probably know I, a big I, focus. I think it it's interesting so so eugene just interviewed you know kind of our our aspirational uh you know kind of ceo stroke entrepreneur like glenn tolman so you just mm -hmm. interviewed oh. oh i was yeah. trying to figure out where you're going with this i'm like who did i interview <laughs> now <laughs> <laughs> interviews a lot of people um but i you know and you listen to him talk and he's one of the great speakers on the subject right you yeah. know and he you know it's experience experience so he talked about hey why does you know i think the question you asked him like you know why can't tech you know why is google health disbanding their division and you know amazon the maven project and you know the best and brightest that, minds that was world. blake that was blake uh give a full credit for the question from yeah, business insider okay. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> blake from uh, business insider so um but the point being is actually integrating the user experience right like it's one of the most fundamental challenges and i like with my own company that's what I'm obsessed about. So the, the biggest thing I'm concerned about is someone puts on a piece of paper, 
hey, you know, our technology plus your technology equals an improvement. And then back in my head going like, will we get along? Is your CTO good? Um, mm -hmm. You know, are you strategically into this for a long enough period of time to actually have the integration? Like that's what immediately the checklist that goes through my head. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, on paper, these relationships make total sense, whether it's, yeah. it's uh, Headspace and Ginger or Calm and Lyra. I mean, everyone's kind of focusing on that vertical solution. We, we acknowledge that there's a very wide spectrum of need here. And right. so how do we align those tools in the right way? And, and it's not to say that you can't find good sort of offboarding or cross you know, promotion opportunities, but in the end, you're probably going to see a drop off every, right. every one of those you've had. So that, that was, you know, it's funny. I, I had a chance to do like a, a new employee onboarding session uh, a while ago and I pulled up our original pitch deck from 2015, and this was exactly what we talked about, the need to create vertical solutions that integrated well for the user that aligned with their existing benefits to make sure that they understood everything about what they were receiving. Right. That's a huge challenge. And the yeah. biggest answer so to that is just don't integrate, right? Like, like that's the biggest challenge. Like, I mean, one of the answers is like, or, you know, do it at, you know, do it in incredibly cautious, conservative I mean, way, right? Look, if I put my old hat on, right, there's always the discussion of best of breed or a one-stop shop, right? And and there's some, some things in between, but I think it's up to that consumer and individual, right? So again, from an employer perspective, I mean, you mentioned it was bombarded back then, it's even more bombarded now as the large employer market. <coughs> but I think at the end of the day, it's up to that individual to kind of choose the best of breed or try to go for one solution. What works for them as that individual? Yep. And back to, you know, some for some people, it's tech only. For other people, like, you know, our, our stances, it needs to be head coach led, somebody to guide you on the path. And the tool could be there. But again, it depends on that individual and what works for them. Right. So I, I just I think there will always be opportunities to integrate and disintegrate. And yeah, right. uh, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it's about the, the I don't know, there's like a minimum viable niche solution. <laughs> Ignore the product side of it. What do you really need for this to succeed? And, you know, I think, you know, take something like Rower Hymns. That, that's pretty obvious. Right. But at some point, they're going to have to expand. Hims is going into mental health, and, and you know, I'm sure everyone is going to continue to do that. But they were very good at focusing on that specific problem for a very long time. Um, right. We were a little bit more generalist, but I would say that I think mental health care is very different than a lot of the other industry or verticals within healthcare because you do right. have this entire spectrum of need from. People that might just need a management tool or some additional self-care, mm -hmm. people that might need some motivation through a coach, people that do need therapy, people that do need psychiatry. So do you know what I, um, I feel like I'm just thinking about aloud here is like this idea that the integrator for these applications is is your iPhone. You know, yeah. that's the integrator as a CEO of your your, your own consumer healthcare. Yeah. And and furthermore, individuals pay with their mind share. You know, right. sometimes mm -hmm. they pay with their wallet, but and a lot of times it's which right. tools are they willing to interact with? And, and if those aren't right. well integrated, you're going to see people bouncing around because it's really easy for them to. Right, right. It's like, I, you know, you have an entertainment experience 
and that's YouTube and Netflix or whatever's on your phone or possibly your computer. And you have a health experience and it's kind of what's, you know, it's like I, you know, video conference with my doctor or my telehealth or I have my Pacifica or my, sorry, what's it? San, San Bello. San Bello. San Bello. <laughs> so uh, time check, time check. Uh, Jim Joyce, your, your, uh, your famous yeah. end of the discussion question. Even well, though we went through the whole entrepreneurial thing already with Dale, so yeah, no, I don't know. What I like this one. So, so picture yourself a um, a young entrepreneur that just moved from Wisconsin to San, San Francisco, and you're three months into a relationship, and you're thinking about starting a new consumer-focused digital healthcare company. What advice would you give that young entrepreneur that's going after that? Huh. Be be really upfront with your significant other about what she's about to go through. <laughs> Um, I, and you know, the, the, I'll actually give a little bit more tangible uh, answer here in a sec. But I, I don't want to downplay how important that is. I have ruined relationships because of the startups that I was going after, um, and I, I was very explicit with my wife when I started this. I said, you know, I, I think I've been training for this. I'm going to regret it if I don't have another opportunity to do it. We don't have the risks we, we will have in the future, we'll have a few, you know, family eventually. And I don't think I can do this then. And so I had, I just had to be as honest as I possibly could with what that might mean. And bless her, she, yep. she let me do it. So maybe that is a really significant one. That's that a lot of entrepreneurs won't find themselves in a scenario like that. And I think in that they respect, all do. they all do. It's great. It's fantastic advice. If you could talk to Eugene and my wife, you know, at any time, <laughs> Well, um, we, we, yeah, well, <laughs> but I will say, okay, so on, on an industry specific one, like you, you will just never know what you're getting into from the outset. You might think you do, you might think, you know, the problem. And if you're not willing to listen to others and understand kind of what the reality is behind the scenes, you're almost dead in the water from, from the start. And I think, you know, I'll go back to, to Chris, you know, he could have built design Sanvelo in what he thought was, you know, the, the best way for the end user. But we've seen that. We see that through these super clinical feeling applications. Those have never worked. A therapist, you would think, would be the best person to design one of these apps from a, at least from a clinical perspective. And that is just, unfortunately, just not the case. Not always the case. And not can't say it will never be the case. Um, but so that, that constant focus on the end user and listening to them and, and understanding what the market's going to withstand. You know, if you're not willing to do that, don't even get started. Love it. Awesome. Thank you for making time. And uh, to our viewers, listeners, hit that subscribe button, forward us on for the awesome advice from our guests and bringing us through the Wednesday yeah. <laughs> through well, the week. That Thank you guys awesome. so much. Love what you're doing and I uh, really appreciate having me on. Cheers. Thank you.